At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every story has a beginning. Discover the origin of evil. Why are you back here, Claire? Your conspiracies weren't true when we were kids. They're not true now. We need to expose Umbrella. Watch this. I'm afraid, Claire. I'm afraid of what they're gonna do to this town. You see, Umbrella, they have an incident. I'm talking Chernobyl, if you know what I mean. People are getting sick. You gotta help us, Claire. Let the world know what's really going on. Welcome to They Called This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called This a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Hello. Uh, 
I just love when something is kind of familiar, but just sort of off a little bit. Maybe I'm weird. Yeah, it is weird to love that, I suppose. Yeah. 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 But uh, that's all I got for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but why don't we talk about what we watched this week? How about that, guys? Dan, what did you watch this week? Anything? Uh, I finished up the offer on Paramount Plus and then immediately watched The, the Godfather. So that was that was good to revisit and, uh, you know, kind of get you've seen behind the scenes a bit with it, with the offer. So you can kind of pinpoint what they were talking about in certain scenes. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, obviously, The Godfather. It's a decent movie. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but uh, hot take. Hot takes hate. coming in early. <laughs> no, I, I like The Godfather. Uh, I'm still more of a Goodfellas guy. But so I, I finished watching that. Uh, and then I watched Spiderhead on Netflix. Dan, I was actually going to make a joke as if you went on a Myers Miles Teller now, binge. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a little bit of a headache here. To be fair, to be, be fair, fair, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't know Miles Teller was in that movie because <laughs> I I knew Chris Hemsworth was in it. So I you know I think Chris Hemsworth is a he's a good looking guy and I I like him as an actor. Like all right, I'll I'll check this out, see how see how bad it is, and uh, and then I found Miles Teller's in it, and yeah, it's I think Journey Smollett is also in it, I believe. Yeah, so um, not yeah, not a great movie. Although I do think Chris Hemsworth should be the antagonist in more movies. He's he's pretty he's very off putting with because he's very charming and he's mm-hmm. very very charismatic, so he could be a good villain if. The, if the right script is involved, uh, he does a pretty good job in that. I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, if you like Chris Hemsworth and you like, uh, you know, it, it's basically a pharmaceutical type of uh, movie, kind of psychological thing. Uh, if you're into that, give it a sh- uh, give it a, a watch. But that's it for me. Yeah, not not a whole lot. Okay, Mark, what about you? Anything this week? Nope, nothing this week. I'll just keep it short. Okay, I didn't watch much this week either. I watched the miniseries on Hulu, which I told Mark to watch, but I guess he's just not going to watch anything ever. Um, Shorzy on Hulu. It is a spinoff miniseries of the show Letterkenny. Speaking of, to be fair, um, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. It's very Canadian, very hockey centric, which is why I thought that Mark would like it. So he'll talk yeah. about it in three weeks when I don't yes. want to talk about it. Yep. Um, That's the plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all according to Mark's plan. Question so, for you, Ant. You go ahead. You, you were saying since it's very hockey centric, is it true that that's not Canada's national uh, sport? Isn't hockey? the national sport curling? Oh, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I thought it was lacrosse. lacrosse. I, well, I just made that up. Okay. Oh, yeah. well, you, I mean, not a terrible guess. Yeah, right. It yeah. does have ice in it. Yeah. When are we going to so, get a, a lacrosse movie? Uh, who wants a lacrosse movie? Well, not Besides, me, like, but frat kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, college kids. Yeah. No yeah, thanks. You, yeah, you can't you you can't really tell a good movie about modern lacrosse because the only, you, there's no one you you would want to root for. Yeah, the only thing you could do is go back in the day to like where the origins is like built into Native American history and stuff like that. I'd um, watch that. Yeah, that's the only route you could go, but I don't know. I don't know enough about the history to know if there's any good stories to tell with that. 
I mean, every you could do a ragtag group of lacrosse players. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. that could be for every move, every sport. No, uh, I, I don't really want to watch a lacrosse movie, though. So uh, I watched Shore Z and that made me want to go back and watch some Letterkenny. So I think I got like two seasons of Letterkenny in, which are like really short seasons. Um, speaking of to be fair, because I just watched that episode, too. Um, so, yeah, this is super short. Um, I don't have anything else to talk about. So we're going to take a quick break and some ads and we'll be back in a second. And welcome back. And before we get into this week's movie, just kind of another update um about this week's poll for june movie of the month currently is currently live and uh i think it is when this goes live you'll have about a day left maybe even a little bit less uh, to vote on what our movie of the month is we pitted to get against three 90s classics which all either had a prom scene or a graduation scene those movies are can hardly wait 10 Things I Hate About You, or She's All That. Currently, 10 Things I Hate About You is in the lead. Uh, pretty commanding at this point. It's a 53%, so it is a, a majority of of the voters have voted for 10 Things I Hate About You. Probably a little bit better than movies we usually pick, but uh, I think it was Mark said he wanted to pick Can't Hardly Wait, and I was about to pick uh, Prom Night 2, Hello, Mary Sue, which... Movies like that do not fare well in um, in polls against movies that people have seen. So we decided to do this instead because I wouldn't have minded talking about Can't Hardly Wait. So we tried to kind of even the playing field a bit. So check that out. Twitter uh, is at TicTamPod, uh, T-C-T-A-M pod. If you want to go on, vote for that. So that's that. And this week... We're going to get into this week's movie, and this week was Dan's pick. So, Dan, why don't you tell us which movie you picked? Sure. So, this week's movie is a more recent movie. Uh, came out in 2021, and it's based off of a series of video games that I hold near and dear to my heart. And I kind of got my hopes up with it, only to have uh, my heart shattered into a million pieces. I chose Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Okay. Uh, so uh, I just want to get kind of an idea of where you guys are coming from with it. Uh, what's your opinion of the movies in general and where are you coming from with this, Dan? Okay, so having played, I, I, I would say Resident Evil 2 is one of my top 10 games of all time. I, I love that that game scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Uh, and I was very excited when the uh, original Resident Evil movies were announced. And I was very surprised with how they took it because it, it has obviously horror elements in it, but it's much more action based. Uh, a lot of martial arts, uh, crazy gunplay, crazy uh, stunts being done. And it, it, it just really kind of only had the core story element was was there. Uh, an evil pharmaceutical corporation uh, unleashes a virus on the city populace. Um, that was pretty much it. But everything else other than that is just kind of like Easter eggs here and there. So I, I don't really like the movies. I, I know it's kind of split because they, they had six of them, I believe, uh, with Mila Jovovich in it. So they were a, a popular movie series. And I, I didn't like how they got away from the the elements of the game. And when Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City was announced, they, they were saying, oh, it's going to be more true to the games. 
the hardcore gamers are going to love it. It's going to be scarier. And this movie was so hell-bent on giving you Easter eggs and, and like, oh, you, like we understand the lore of Resident Evil and just totally missed the mark on the actual storyline. And it, it suffers greatly in this. But we're, I'll delve a little deeper into that as we go along. Okay. Mark, what about you? Where are you coming from? Yeah. yeah Resident so Evil I'm... as a whole and this movie. Yeah, so obviously huge fan of the games. I um, outside of the two new ones, meaning seven and eight, I, I've beaten them all. Um, sadly, in some cases, and meaning six. Uh, but yeah, the the storyline is can range from um, you know a good you know corporate conspiracy um, type deal to just uh, outlandishly um, you know just out there and not connected to anything at all and. I think where Resident Evil has gone in other media, um, which is why I'm really curious for the television series, which I'm sure maybe we'll uh, talk about in the future at some point, but um, is that they don't know exactly where to land on it. Um, the the Mila Jovovich movies tried to take it in another direction and not take as much of the story. I don't know if that was a, a, a what's it called the Capcom thing or just uh, some writer wanting to do better. Um, I don't know if they had any pushback on certain things. Uh, but yeah, the first movie was fine for that. It's like, okay, you know, this will just be a different thing. But then they just got more and more ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, some of the animated movie is fine. I think it's Degeneration, um, where they tried to get a little bit closer to the actual story. So as Dan said, when they announced this movie and they were like, all right, we're going to do you know, uh, something closer to the games. We're going to put one and two together, which is an obvious thing to do because they take place around the same time. Um, theoretically, three does as well, but um, it's going to be hard to have Joe Valentine just split off from the rest of the crew um, and have three different storylines going on. Um, but I think where this movie misses the mark, especially, and I, it made me upset, is that they didn't tell a cohesive story it felt more like they just wanted to make the references and put some zombie uh, uh, corporate virus story around it. Like it, some of the twists that happened and some of the uh, uh, the choices of characters and the way characters were used um, just felt like it was like, all right, we're just building to this point and hey, reference, and then we're good. Um and I think that's, I think there is a, I know I say this all the time on, on this podcast, but I think certain parts of this show that if you do take it seriously and understand the games and what story they're trying to tell, you can make a pretty decent movie just following the, the storyline of, of one and two. Um, but I think this guy thought he knew what the games were, but it sound felt more like it was something he just read about them on the internet. And I think that's where it fails, and that's why it, it disappointed me more than anything. Um, if we, if I saw this in the theaters and we weren't doing this for a podcast, I probably would have walked out. Wow. Okay. As for me, fan of the games, I've seen, I've played one and two, and that's it. In terms of when I say I'm the fan of the games, I mean one and two, and that's basically <laughs> it. I'm not playing a single one since. Um, I have not seen a single Resident Evil movie. I honestly don't care to see them to be honest with you. Not my thing. Um, they showed the trailer of the first one with karate and like kicking a dog with 
flying kicks. Um, yeah, not my thing at all. So, and I got to be honest with you, don't remember this thing being released, this film that we watched. Um, <laughs> I think I briefly, I think, I think the only memory I have of this movie existing was when we went to go see Evil Dead yes. at yes. Comic Con. Yes. <laughs> we were talking about it on the escalator. That's, I think the trailer had just dro- dropped, and yeah. you had and you had seen it, Dan, and you said that it looked like shit, which really upset the guy behind us. <laughs> you no, know, he was in front of us. He was wearing an Avengers Endgame jacket, right? <laughs> and, and that is the limit of my knowledge of this movie going into it. Was that, I'm so that happy you remember that story, Ant. Yes, <laughs> that's it. That's what that's what I know of Resident Evil Raccoon City. Welcome, welcome to Raccoon City was the fact that that guy was really upset about that. I think this is a really good fan film. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about it. I, I, I'm curious, though, Mark. Yeah. Of what you feel like they didn't get right about it, because it feels like they got a lot right. I just I, don't think it translates to a movie for whatever reason. There's two major things that they could have done to make it a little bit better. Um, is for some reason they felt they needed all the characters to interact like early on in the movie when, you know, they could have had two separate stories going on and had them all meet up at the end if you needed them all to meet up at the end. Um, like Claire never runs into Chris until like, at worst, later you could say later on in that game, or even in the video game series in a different video game. Um, I think Code Veronica is when Code they Veronica, run into each yeah. other. Yeah, it's where they run into each other. So, but even if you needed it for this movie, they could have ran into each other at the Umbrella Lab. Fine. Um, they make Leon way less competent than Leon actually is, and okay. I think that's why it felt like it was a guy that just heard jokes on the internet writing that character about rookie cop. Leon sure. S. Kennedy, um, more than actually knew that character was a good, like it's supposed to be a real a good cop. He just happens, it just happens to be his first day when all this is going on. Has nothing to do with how good of a cop. Okay, um, but question yeah. for you: those two yeah. details, what yeah. makes this not work because of those details? Uh, because because I I because yeah. I'll, I'll just say one thing: I think if Leon is more competent, he's stepping on the toes of Chris. Right in this movie, in terms of a yeah. narrative storytelling, because one was in one one game, the other one was in the other game. They're more or less the same character, right? They're both cops. Uh, if you have them both be competent and similar, then it's like you know why have both of them in this movie? Yeah. So I actually kind of like the fact that Leon is like you know has a little more personality than just average white guy with brown hair kind of video game protagonist sort of thing. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike that. So I'm curious of how you feel that and the other point makes this movie not work. Yeah, I maybe it's maybe it's because the the threat of the, the two games, um, at least in my opinion, obviously, they need to be being told this like two separate but parallel stories going on. Um, uh, I think that's really my main point is that Claire and Leon should meet at one point. And the stars thing at the mansion should be a whole other thing. Um, and then if you need them to bottleneck at the end, it helps. It, it, you can do that fine. Um, because it sets up, they try to get all this other stuff going on that, you know, setting up the twist with Wesker doesn't 
work really because they're trying to make him like Joe Valentine's boyfriend or something. Um, and that's because they just, you know, it, it, I obviously am not explaining this well if you were uh, saying. I, I, I think I think I understand what Mark is trying to say. Essentially, the the point of having Leon being such a bumbling fool is that it it, it he becomes more of a nuisance to Claire than a, a help. Yeah. You know, and and he, by no means necessary should Leon have survived this this movie. He's he's basically like a Jerry Lewis kind of stumbling and bumbling his way to uh from point a to point b successfully um in and also as if you're a fan of the video games you know he can handle himself in a in a firefight and he fights off giant monsters and this it's like you know like what's this gun oh shotgun i've never seen one of these before it's like i can't believe that this person is a a hero um then but i agree with ant then you because chris is also he he is very competent um he's kind of like a leader in terms of resident evil one so like oh do you need the two two leader type roles but as mark was saying if you tell a a, if you're telling a better cohesive story where they don't meet until the end i think it makes more sense sure but i mean like claire is that competent person right she he doesn't need to be competent because claire's competent i yes i'm saying in terms of just surviving this type of story he he should have died he he, it would make no sense why this person who is such a fuck up like they're saying he shot his partner in the uh in the the academy yeah we're supposed to root for this guy he's supposed to be our hero sure it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't match i think okay yeah and, and even if you had to make claire she's more of a badass in this than in the second game um uh, she's incompetent with a gun and all that, but obviously that game was written in the late nineties when, you know, had to have male protagonists, you know, be the, be the more competent person um, in it. But, you know, I, I could have went for, you know, like I keep saying with the parallel stories, I could have went for one section of, you know, nostalgia and stuff with Claire and Leon going through the police station, you know, and doing all that stuff in there. Um, while the the other group was off in the mansion doing their thing and going through all those nostalgia trips there um, that they do. And then they both end up in the same spot at the end. And I would have felt that was a better fan service movie along with maybe being a better movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I can see Ant's point that, you know, you can't have like multiples of the same character. Um, like they even toned down Jill a little bit because of Claire um, in terms of, of, you know, uh, personality and, and, you know, uh, ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's a very we, different character. Yeah. Like there's, we, there's no mistaking yeah. Claire for Jill or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the games you could class them as slightly similar. Um, but the, but that, that's what I really wanted out of this when I heard it was, is that they, each game had a distinctive setting that all blended together because it took place on the same night. So mm-hmm. you could have had them doing the separate things while doing the nostalgic. Claire's looking for her brother. He's off trying to figure out what's going on at the mansion, you know, and then they they can meet each other at the end, unlike the video games. Um, and they also, one point, maybe the transition off this. I The only thing I liked about some of the, didn't like about some of the fan service stuff is some of it seemed shoehorned in. Um, 
in, in in the fact where a lot of it blended in nicely. I like I like probably 75 80% of it. Um the Lisa thing made no sense. Um nope. that's the girl in the orphanage um that kills the liquor. Um and um the the whole um turn um like scene uh w- between Jill and Wesker when he turns and shows that he might be working for somebody else. Like he does that in the game but the way they turn it here it's wrong and just doesn't it feels forced in like oh Wesker's got to be the ba- like a bad guy. So in, in the game Wesker is always working for Umbrella. It's not just yeah. all of a sudden he's working for Umbrella. So yeah. it, it's a weird like there's no good reason for him to have turned like oh you can get out of the city or that's enough to turn somebody yeah yeah and and there were there was one other uh um reference all the um oh and this movie was definitely written after the second remake two came out because they shoehorned in everything about the orphanage which was not in the original game um they put them in it at the beginning they which was dumb um they could have just been people from Raccoon City. That whole, like, they didn't pay that off outside of the whole, um, you were stupid, you know, thing at the end from William Birkin. But, um, yeah, it was just like, they, like, and even some of the, is some of the reference, I think he even got the, like, the lock picking thing was the wrong Jill's character. The, uh, Jill's the master. Oh, yeah, because they have Claire being. Claire do the lock picking. Yeah, but and Jill is the master of unlocking things. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just little it's just little things like that where they they felt the need to to, to force the thing in. Um, the um, I, I think the having the um, like the truck explode thing being in the wrong spot. Um, the uh, the, uh, the the joke the um, the the what's it called. Um, from, having, from the get-go. Yeah, I'm, yeah, so I'm sorry. I was trying to think of one, but go ahead. No, from the Walker. get-go, this movie establishes that we're we're going to give you parts of the game that you remember. Hey, remember in, in Resident Evil 2, the truck driver who yeah. eats the hamburger and then uh, runs over the woman? That's in there, but yeah. Claire's with him now. Well, yeah. that's not how it, it starts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Claire rides in on her motorcycle. Uh, Leon rides in on his Jeep that easily could have been a part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, and then they, they add silly things in there. Like they have the itchy, itchy, tasty part in a completely different. I mean, it's iconic in the world of resident evil, but it happens in the Spencer estate, not in the, yeah, the city. I will say of the different ones you make, that's the one that they make that. I think the change may have been slightly for the better. Yeah. Um, no, not, not like, Maybe not where they did it, but having it be written by a zombie like on there because you read it in a book, you know, in in the in the journal. Yeah. So making it part of the action, I think that part of it was fine. But having it happen where it happened is is it was dumb. Um, but I like the because if you're gonna make that reference, that's the only way really to do it is have it scrawled in blood somewhere. Um uh to do that. And I don't I don't know your feelings on this, Dan, but he just randomly Sherry being okay with everything. Yeah, and I've seen this movie twice. Her parents are dead. Yeah, I've seen this movie twice, and I kept getting surprised. Like, wait, where did Sherry come from? Yeah, like, she winds up with them at the end, and she's smiling with them. Like, oh, yeah. my parents were brutally murdered. This is great. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, they, uh, 
they got it completely, completely wrong because, you know, Mark, and you could back me up. Yeah. In Resident Evil, the Birkins are very neglectful parents. They're, they're yes. all they worry about is their work. I mean, Annette Birkin is completely absent in this. She does nothing. Um, and then right. William Birkin is like this very attentive father, and and yeah. like he's just like a, a normal guy, you know. But in, in the games, he's just he all he cares about is the G virus. That's all he cares about. Doesn't care about anything yeah. else. Yeah, and and also Birkins are connected to Claire and Leon, not Wesker and the rest of them. So, right. like, we could nitpick all the the things they, I guess, tried to change to, I guess, seemingly have a single story. Um, I keep going back to my parallel; would have been better. Uh, but you know, I guess I don't know. It's just I think there is some kind of um, there is a movie out there you could make. Now, will it? um be good or entertaining i don't know but what they did here and and you know um and what they tried to do with the other resident evil series didn't work um and i think i like the idea of them changing how the characters look um a little bit um i like the change of jill um and you know maybe chris being a little more athletically built and not like look like a meathead I think was it was a better choice, um, especially because um, theoretically Wesker's supposed to be able to overpower him, you know, theoretically, um, and especially later on with the powers. Um, the only thing I didn't like was um, now I may have missed it because um, you know there were no subtitles on on the copy we had, but was there a Barry in this? No, no Barry, no Rebecca. Okay, because um, that that would have been an easy thing to have in. Um, but yeah, I, that, that's basically my major complaints about it is that they they got so close to doing something, um, but they they needed somebody on set, whether it be the writer or the director, that had a full understanding of at least the first two games um, mm-hmm. to go, no, you know, what if we just turn this around here? Um, and uh, yeah, and my final point on it um, I think the most shoehorned in thing, which was kind of cool, but kind of shoehorned in, was when Lisa gives her the keys and they're the four suits. Oh, that made no sense. I hated that. (laughs) Why are you putting that in there? I'm like, "Ah, they're probably like, the fans want this in here. Um, That's what what makes this movie good. Oh, here's the heart key. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fans, like, they didn't even need all four. Could have just been at one point, like, like, they go to a door and they're like, just look at the key and go, that's weird. And then that could have been it, right? you know, for the reference to it. Um, I didn't like that they uh, they didn't do a dog jumping through a window, I don't think, um, which would have been an no. easy jump scare. He, jump, he jumps through the window of the police car, of Donald Logue's car. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was probably the best casted person in this movie, yeah. by the way. So I know you guys have talked a lot about what you didn't like in this movie, but... Yeah. Not a whole lot of these things, and this is this is sort of my issue with a lot of these IP movies of the past 10 years or so. None of these things that they failed to do necessarily makes this movie better or worse. Like, nods to the games from a, from a, assuming you, let's say you've played the first two, you haven't played them in 25 years. And you haven't watched any of the movies besides this one. You know, okay. say you're me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your average viewer, sure. Yes. 
making more concrete connections and nods to the games or getting them exactly how the games have them does not make this a better movie. No, it just I, doesn't. I, uh, I think so. I, and just, I'm just, th- th- this is the sort of thing that I have problem with. Like, like I said, with the IP movies, like with, with Spider-Man no way home too was which I, a movie I liked, but it was also like, okay, these are, these are nostalgia shovels, right? Sure. That's what these movies are. These are, um, these are nostalgia, um, delivery services and nothing more. And I think that's my problem with this movie because I didn't really dislike this movie. I think like because I I don't have that attachment to the to this. I I like the first two games. I've never I I think I played three. I played Resident Evil Nemesis, right? That's three, right? Yeah. And as a movie itself, I think I thought it was uh, to me. I thought it was interesting that they were basically doing the stories of the first two games. I, I could what was it necessary for them to, to to Chris and Claire to meet up at the beginning? Not necessarily. I, I don't dis- disagree with you, Mark, when you say yeah. that it would have been an interesting story to have them basic one at point A, one at point B, and they meet at you know the middle. So I guess one at A, yeah. one at C, and they meet at B. <laughs> I guess that makes yeah, more yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's the whole point for Claire being there. She's looking for her brother. And she finds him immediately, so it takes out that whole yeah. uh, the suspense, uh, the suspense of it. Yeah, that was that. That's uh, I was thinking more to make my point a little more succinct and probably help you a little. And let's just take let's just take the Resident Evil thing off of it and just talk from a storyline thing. Um, you can have like I, when I when I say the parallel lines, you can have the one where you know the two people are the one person searching for a brother. You know, and they're going through this zombie apocalypse thing and they're finding out certain things. And then you have the other ones on the other end, her brother and another group doing something else and finding out other things. And then they sort of when they come together, the full thing is revealed to everyone or something that might be a better movie. Um, You know, like they find out something that would help the other ones, but they don't know it, you know, sort of right sort of thing there that just just from a that storyline you know, as you said, point A, point C, meet at point B, and then you can have the final fight with Birkin um, after Wesker turns. Maybe he turns after they all meet up, you know, and, you know, he just, they meet up with Birkin and they're trying to figure it out and he just turns and shoots Birkin, you know, like, you can have that turn be better and then they're all there and then, you know, they find Sherry along the way and they bring her there and then all this, you know, like, there's there's ways to do that, Um, just taking the Resident Evil trappings off of it. Um, I think what they were trying to do was, um, I guess, um, they wanted the certain actors to have scenes together, like Donald Logue being with some of these actors, you know, even though most of his interaction, I think, would technically have been with Leon and Claire um, uh, in in reality um, and would have never run into anyone else. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only thing was they were trying to make changes to it, but they fundamentally only did what you said and and just shoveled in nostalgia stuff into the movie um and fan servicey things rather than actually try to make a a competent movie which i still believe is kind of in there which is why i'm excited a little bit for the series because if you tell it in a slower you know um uh you know drag out um it might help somebody like you who hasn't 
been involved with the story in 25 years, you know, sort of, you know, be able to follow along and make, make a good cohesive, um, you know, storyline. They, they, they throw in all this um, uh, fan service, but the, the one major thing they left out was uh, Chief Iron's necrophilia. Like, why not put that in there? Right, guys? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why that's why you hire everybody's favorite Irishman, Donald Logue, is because you want him (laughs) to play. Yeah, you want him to be a nefarious body fucker. (laughs) Can you you imagine sitting in the the writer's room for this movie and you're like, all right, yeah, we're going to throw in the Ashford twins. People know them, right? We're we're going to throw in the different, uh, you know, the the different kind of keys. We're going to throw that in there. Hey, maybe we do, do you think we should throw in the uh you know the uh, the police chief just wanting to bang dead bodies. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We can throw in uh let's throw yeah. something else in there. I'm sure we could get away with that. Yeah. Uh so so question for you guys cuz yeah. uh, maybe I misunderstood and made assumptions. So Wesker, yeah. he's the so the company that he's trying to expose is well he's in this movie he's, he's trying to exposing. expose umbrella so um, he's trying to expose umbrella and okay. steal the virus for another company so we don't um, know who the company is in this movie yeah Probably if you're if you're a fan of if you've played resident evil 6 or I, code I veronica maybe you know right i don't even know if you really know you just know like they had to have that after credit scene because the fanboys would have freaked out if Ada Wong was not in this movie. Oh, um, I didn't even watch the after credit scene. There you go. Yeah, yeah Ada Wong means nothing scene. to me. Means nothing yeah. to me. Ada Wong. Um, um, so, but yeah, but so she worked for the company that okay. Irish went. Okay, so he is trying to take down Umbrella, who is the reason why all of this shit happened, right? Yes, in this movie. So, in the world of this movie, you guys keep saying he makes a turn. I don't know guy. what I don't know what the turn is because Jill is only upset about because he wants to leave Raccoon City. Which yeah. why the fuck would you not want to leave Raccoon City? He's the <laughs> yeah. he's got a good head on his shoulders. You all should be like, hey, let's get out of here. You guys should be fucking and pooling your money. You should be a dual income, and so you could have enough money to leave this town. Or just ask for a transfer. Yeah, maybe 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 turn is too strong because he sort of. He's there for an alternative reason than what in they're the movie, there for. In, the, in movie. the movie, it's portrayed as a turn, right? It's a heel turn. I I think the movie is supposed to be making you think that, but at yeah. the same time, like we know, we like I I know Umbrella is bad, and I've only yeah. played two games. Yeah. Um. And nobody watching this movie should be like, ooh. He's such a bastard. I hope yeah. they get him. But and that's the problem with this movie. Like, they don't do a good job of labeling the characters or giving or fleshing them out. Uh, we, like we know, all right, Claire's a badass. We know that Leon's a moron. But like outside of that, we don't know anything about these people. It, it's and I think it relies too heavily on you having to know the video games, and that's across the board where. Even the even Raccoon City, they say it's this bustling town. It it looks like it's two blocks big. It, it looks tiny in in the games. It's it's basically like a Chicago or uh, or some uh, like one of those cities. It, it's they again. They've done. They took so much care to show you. Hey, listen. We know certain parts about the game, 
without knowing the game, without giving you what you actually what is actually happening in the storyline of the games. And I think that's what hurts it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, let me ask you guys let me ask you guys this question before you, you go further. What do you prefer? Do you prefer this or do you prefer the Mila Jovovich movies? So don't make me choose that. But like so you have on one hand you have a movie series that never even attempted to make con- solid connections to the source material. Yeah. On the second hand, you have one that does a pretty good job of taking the first two games and doing, you know, maybe a C plus adaptation of it. Um, yeah, I, I would choose the Mila Jovovich movies. I, I was going to say it might be, yeah, it might be a hot take because I haven't seen them, seen it in a while. But I feel that I'd like even though they went to a different, like, obviously completely different story, I think the story they tell is is a better one than they tell in this. Um, just because of the things I've mentioned before of them trying to, you know, force the nostalgia stuff in means they ignore good story beats. Um, just the first one, by the way. Just, well, the first one comparing these two. because You gotta, take all, you gotta take all of them. If you're gonna take one, uh, you have to take them all. I'm taking them all. I, I, you, I, I might change that because the rest of them after the first one just go batshit and do a lot of the things I think are wrong, especially the one where they bring in uh, Joe Valentine and Nemesis and all that in the second one. Um, but yeah, they have they, a better Wesker. Wesker is so much better in the Mila Jovovich movies. That's about the only thing really um, in terms of characters they bring in from the series that is better than this movie. Uh, the, the, Mila, the Mila Jovovich movies, I don't like them, but I'd rather you swing for the fences and miss than yeah. what Welcome to Raccoon City did is play it safe and still fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, the um, yeah, I, 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 I can be on board with that. Um, I have, I will just say, I had more fun watching those movies than I did watching this movie. Um, now, does that translate the good? Well, that could be your opinion because of another series I love. Um, But I would rather have more fun watching something than, you know, it be way too faithful to the, uh, or try to be too faithful to the game than just miss miss on all the major points. And yeah, because there's so many points you could have by just splitting up the stars team in that mansion for a little bit longer, um, turned it into more horror than they actually were able to. Yeah. Do you think this you know. is better if they split this up into two movies? If they did one, uh, the 1, first movie being Resident Evil and then the other one being Resident Evil 2? Absolutely. Because now you have more time to focus on the characters and, more importantly, the the lore of Umbrella. You, you can really focus in on having the stars team, like Mark said, you, they break down what is going on in the, um, in the uh, Spencer estate. The, the lab underneath it and everything. And then you bring in Claire and Leon in the second movie and they have their time to shine. It, it's, it, 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 they, I, I kind of blame Marvel for this a little bit because I think the creators of this movie felt, oh, we need to kind of catch up for lost time here. Not that they were trying to make a shared universe or anything, but you know, we, we, want, the, we, we want it all now. And we don't want to wait. We don't want to build up a series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would probably blame Marvel, for, not necessarily for that, but again, going back to all this IP-driven movies that we've had since 
Marvel. It's all it's all like everybody with previous knowledge of the source material. That's basically who you're catering to for these little nuggets of things of like, oh, did you see that? You yeah, know what yeah. that is, don't you? That's this yeah. from exactly. Resident Evil 6. And when you go to this place and you see that book and it says this inside, mm, yeah. right. it, oh, you, didn't, yeah. you don't know what I'm talking about? You're not a real fan. Yeah, there's there's a scene with like I mentioned before, there there's these two twins, the Ashford twins. No one's gonna outside of people who are like again and, hardcore fans. No one's gonna fucking know yeah. who they are. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, they don't even mention the Ashford family outside of that in the whole. No. Movie. You know, um, you know what that made me think? I was like, well, does that mean Claire and Chris are also twins and they're doing experiments on specifically twins? I know. Yeah. It's the wrong, it, it gives you the wrong message completely. That's what I yeah. thought. And, and yeah, quite, that's for the, the movie's fault. Just for the video game, oh, the references that uh, to the Ashford twins, like the way they look in that video and the dragonfly thing, are now thinking about it, Dan. References to Code Veronica, which is. Yeah, it, it's the same clip that plays in code veronica yeah i just <laughs> just popped in my head um that's but, cool if you played the game but if you're like anthony yeah uh, it's, no idea. what the fuck who cares yeah yeah i yeah. Know, about some dragonfly thing i completely missed yeah. that i suppose yeah when she sits there she pulls the wings off a dragonfly mm-hmm. and that's reference in there it makes a key when you take the wings off of something later in, in, in code veronica but, you didn't know anyway. that Ant? nope i didn't you know that you're name you're three bands no. Um, Go play the games, you fucking noob, all right? But going back to Ant's original point about splitting it up into two, I think where that would really shine, um, if you're given that opportunity, is it gives you the chance to, like, add one to the story. Um, you know, take things that weren't in the game, you know, but and still, like, smooth out the the things that wouldn't really work in a movie. Um and and sort of um i'm trying to think of a good good reference point for this um i guess the only thing i can think of and and, tra- and going to a video game that I, I don't know i'm probably the only one that's played but the way they use in in final fantasy 7 remake they just do one three to four hour section of that game but they just spread it out and give it more story and more depth um and you get to learn more about the characters and the, and the world because of that so if you split these movies into two you can have find out a little bit more maybe about claire and and chris's relationship that they don't really explore in the games you know maybe leon's background you give him a background that's different than the games um you know and then in the in the um you know if, if you're doing the first one separate in the mountain you're, you're able to have alpha and bravo team and you know uh get to know a little bit more about them and make it more you know um, you know, more of a big deal when one of them dies um, in it than just it being useless in this movie. Um, but then again, I'm the guy on this podcast that always uh, wants 10 minutes more to explain something in a movie. Um, but I think splitting it up allows you to explore the space a little bit more um, than meshing them together. Um, and my original points um, earlier in this podcast were more from coming from the standpoint of if you need to mesh them together, this is what you got to do. Um, but I would much rather see you could make you could make at least you probably only can make two movies, to be honest, um, possibly three if you wanted to um, have a spinoff and do the, the Jill Escapes Raccoon City thing as a separate thing. Um, but, you know, trying to do movies for the other games um, 
is is wouldn't work because these are just so centralized in in one location um, that you can do a two movie series out of it. Which is why I go back to I hope the the um, the television series taking a little bit longer of a view there can can hit on those points. Okay. So Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City from 2021 is directed by Johannes Roberts, director of 47 Meters Down, 47 Meters Down Uncaged, The Strangers, Pray at Night, among a couple other movies. Stars Kaya Scottolario, Robbie Amell, Hannah John Kamen, Tom Hopper, Ivan Jogia, Yogia, Donald Logue, Neil McDonough, Lily Gao, Chad Rook, Marina Maz- Mazeppa, and Nathan Dales, who is Derry from Letterkenny. So this movie is a 10 out of 10. Um, oh boy. IMDb score of 5.2 and a Rotten Tomato score of 31%. Budget $25 million. Box office $17 million US, $38.6 million worldwide. They did stretch that pretty small budget. $25 million. Uh, I think it all went to getting Journey's, uh, that Journey song. Yeah, uh, they did have they did have a couple of uh, tracks on there. They had four non blondes as well. Oh, that's what they that's what they used in the trailer, I think. Yeah, I uh, that's that one I kind of remembered. Uh, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, honestly, I didn't hate this movie. It's not particularly good, but I don't have the reverence, I suppose. I guess at Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. From for that you guys do for the series as much as i like the first two games i just i'm not in it like you guys so i guess i'm you, not you know, it so preciously i we we've mark and i have kind of you know given this movie the business at the beginning but i think there are certain things that do look pretty cool like i, I did like the zombie makeup especially the uh the the easter egg of the zombie from the first a resident evil game like mm-hmm. the first one you encounter the way it turns around yep genuinely creepy um i th- i thought the uh i thought the liquor looked cool i i just i there was there's a good movie in there there really is and i i just think they rushed it i think they get, they tried too much to give like you said aunt people like me and mark something to talk about instead of really just focusing on telling a, a good story okay you guys want to get into plot sure all right, Dan, what do you got for us? You guys like top 10 lists, don't you? Of course you do. So if that's your thing, go over to geekvibesnation.com, search the top 10 with Tia. It's a podcast from our good friends, Tia and Brittany. They run down their favorite top 10 lists of the week. So like I said, go to geekvibesnation.com, 
You could follow Tia at TC underscore Stark. And you can follow Brittany at Itty Bitty Brit on Twitter. So go check them out. All right, great. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys will list some messages from friends of the podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked your ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into plot four, Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. And I'm going to apologize for the rain, but uh, I'm not moving, so you're just going to have to deal with it. Nice we open. Ambiance. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's perfect for this movie, you know? I like it. Yeah, I mean, it is raining in this movie. Yeah, there you go. So uh, we open on a hallway in an orphanage. I guess I, it took me a while to realize this was an orphanage as a children's sleep. It kind of looked like a barracks, but um, they they Child hold... soldiers. <laughs> it's only 2012. <laughs> that would be a nice twist in this movie if it was all if they were weaponizing them for Cody's child <laughs> army. But uh well, it's one of the like you fight fire with fire, right? Like, all right, yeah. he's not going to let go of his kids. We got to make our own kids. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great if he was the <laughs> if he was if he was the final boss in our Resident Evil game. Cody, it, it, it would explain the fifth game a lot more. I was going to say he would have fit perfectly in the fifth game. <laughs> uh, just throwing kids at you. <laughs> go get them. <laughs> That's a real moral uh, dilemma for our heroes, too, right? I mean, if you're Chris Redfield, you just have a wave, kids. wave of wave of armed 10-year-olds coming at you. And they're not even infected with any kind of virus. They're just normal <laughs> children. <laughs> I'd play that game. <laughs> so would I. I'd finally get back into Resident Evil. <laughs> one of the children, a girl, is awoken by someone or something that the girl may be the only one that has seen her. Her brother tells her to go back to sleep because she doesn't. She didn't actually see anything. He says. Instead, the girl leaves the room and heads upstairs and goes into a playroom where she finds the girl that she's been seeing, who is living in some short, sort of makeshift blanket tent. She asks the girl her name. And she says Lisa. Then Lisa retreats into the blanket tent. The girl goes in to follow after her, but she is pulled out by a doctor who questions her and why she is up in this room where she doesn't belong. Brother pops up behind the doctor to say that she hasn't been able to sleep since their parents died. And the doctor recognizes them as Chris and Claire Redfield and ushers them back to bed. When she's back in bed, she sees a toy that the girl Lisa had, and then Lisa's above her in bed and then grabs at Claire. 
And then Cla- adult Claire wakes up in 1998, riding in the cab of a truck. She's hitchhiking to Raccoon City to see her brother, and the truck driver tells her that Raccoon City is pile shit ever since Umbrella left. Yeah, yeah. Just the uh, I, I know there's going to be things you're going to bring up later, but I just want to point out now and early. I did, I did kind of enjoy some of the references to 1998 in this in this movie. The, the guy playing on the Nokia phone playing Snake yeah. might have been, it actually made me chuckle out loud. And, and you know, um, it yeah. wasn't re- realistically, though, someone should have mentioned the historic Yankees run that year. Yeah. Man, the Yankees point. going on a hell of a run this year. <laughs> and that would have been the equivalent of the Ford 1976 thing from Sandlot 3. <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad that they didn't go overboard with the references though you know what i mean like like in captain marvel where there's so many references to the 90s right it's like yeah. get it we're in the 90s right you understand that right this is just here's just a couple songs here's a couple like you know here's a palm pilot yeah i was just gonna say they're very specific and not overwhelming which i yeah. i i appreciate it mm. uh then the cab driver the the truck driver sexually harasses her before he winds up running someone over because he took his eyes off the road. Stop the truck. Claire looks at the body and tells the truck driver they need to bring the victim into town. Her brother is a cop and he should be able to help. So the guy, but they, while they're arguing over what to do, the body gets up and walks away and the guy's dog starts licking up the blood that was left behind by the body. The truck driver then says he's out of there. And we get title screen. Then we get some on-screen text talking about how Raccoon City is basically deserted, except for cops and poor people after the Umbrella Corporation, a pharmaceutical company, has decided to find a new base of operations. We then cut to a shabby roadside hotel where Leon Kennedy, rookie cop, gets up for work and goes to a diner and falls asleep on the counter. And he is in such a deep sleep that Wesker, another cop, is able to balance a ketchup bottle on his head and tries to get another cop, Jill Valentine, to shoot it off with a dart gun. She bets Wesker she can knock it off with her eyes closed. And instead of shooting it, she just throws the gun at Leon in order to wake him up, and he knocks the bottle off of himself. Technically, she wins the bet. Then she takes his sandwich, making it Jill's sandwich, sandwich. now. Yeah, um, that was the worst one. There, there's two references there. There's the Jill sandwich, and I think she asks, "What would you rather? What's the worst way to die? Being eaten by a giant snake or a giant shark?" Both uh, she's, of those are. In she the asks first that in the police station. Oh, okay. So that's a couple scenes later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, why is Leon so sleepy? He's an idiot. Idiots just, are sleepy. That, that just becomes his thing in like several scenes. It's just that he's just so tired. <laughs> well, because he, he's again, he's dumb. <laughs> dumb people need more hours of sleep. Yeah. He doesn't have the brain capacity to stay awake. <laughs> Another cop comes in just so he can tell us the backstory of Leon, who was restationed to Raccoon City after he shot his partner. And he mentions he's going to check out a call at the Spencer Mansion of a body that was found all chewed up. Yeah, there's there's thing that happens in this scene that I love, or, or in this actually group of scenes um, that I love so much is that each character is introduced by their full name. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're Leon Kennedy. <laughs> I think you know? my Shyamalan wrote this scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like whenever a guest star appeared on like Full House. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> Brian Jones from the Beach Boys or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like every time like they need to introduce a main, you know, reference character, it's it's their full name. Um, yeah. I want to go back and I don't want to go back, but I want to see if anybody's mentioned in like the trivia and stuff. If he like calls him Leon S. Kennedy, that cop 
when he like introduces. He does. Him. He does. He because he's. Oh, the what's the S stand for? Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Okay. Oh, burn. Burn. <laughs> Fucking burn. I'm surprised Leon didn't say yeah. <laughs> uh, and I did. They only mentioned it a couple times, but I did kind of hate that his backstory is that his dad's also a cop, which comes up nowhere at any point and really has no bearing in this movie at all. Well, in in the games, it has nothing to do. Like you never know anything about his parents in the games. It makes no difference. So he's going to have him like find his dad as a as a zombie or something. You know, like to even close that loop. So you know, essentially, he's gotten ahead in life because of his dad. I'm assuming. Yeah, is is what they're going for. Yeah. Instead uh, of him just being a rookie cop, he's got to yeah. be uh, a rookie cop uh, uh, because of you know uh, connections. Yeah, I guess this. I, I guess part of I, it's part of that, and part of just to try and explain his characterization of this kind of like. Um, guy that is almost like a reluctant cop in this. Like it's obviously he's not he's ill fitted to be a cop, but you know his dad was a cop, so he basically has to be a cop. Yeah, um, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, well, I, I, I it's guess a huge it's departure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the team rolls out, and Leon stays behind, talks briefly with the waitress, whose eye then starts to bleed bleed randomly. And Claire gets dropped off by the truck driver who tries to get her to reassure him that he didn't kill someone. And when she leaves, his dog, who is now drooling profusely from the mouth, attacks him. Claire walks up to a small house and knocks on the door, but there's no answer. After getting eyeballed by some weird looking neighbors, she uses a knife to jimmy the lock open and goes in. She eats a slice of pizza off the table and looks at some pictures of her brother Chris with Dr. Burke and the doctor from the orphanage. And Chris comes down to praise Dr. Birkin and really give shit to his sister for a lot of things, including leaving him and also breaking into his house. And uh, she does this all with a football helmet. Mm-hmm. For no reason. Yeah, it doesn't really add anything. <laughs> Claire then tells him that she thinks there's something wrong with the town. And she goes on a chat room because this is a 1998 and plays him a video of a guy named Bur- Ben Bartolucci telling her that the Umbrella Corporation poisoned the water of Raccoon City. Um, I don't remember being able to watch videos in chat rooms, but I don't know. Well, no, it was a VHS. He sent her a VHS. That's right. Okay. Maybe Did she say she was talking to him in a chat room and she sent the VHS? Yeah, I I believe that's the what they're trying to um, convey, but they don't do a very good job of it. Um, And and also, that is a very well-produced VHS video for 1998. I, I wish they could have found a less creepy person to play Ben, because he definitely gives off, like, conspiracy theorist vibes. And I, it's, I, I, I just feel like maybe, maybe that's what they were trying to go for, just like it's all yeah, conspiracy I, theories. I think they but were going for more conspiracy theory because he's a journalist. And in the game, in he's, the game. yeah, he's a journalist. He's just an investigative journalist. Oh, I just I I I don't like who they cast for him. He was yeah. he gives off like he was in the chat room for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it just because he has red hair? Is that why you don't like him? He, he, red hair, glasses. It, he's got he doesn't have anything working for him. <laughs> I mean, that does mean he has no soul. So. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm just looking at this guy's page, Josh Crudas. Is he the one who plays Ben? Yeah. And. Oh, yeah. Then Ben mentions a Chernobyl-level leak that Umbrella is trying to contain. 
Claire mentions to Chris that she hasn't been able to get in contact with Ben since he sent the video. Chris says that it's all nonsense and the guy is probably crazy. Then he gets ready to go to work. We then cut to Dr. Birkin's house, whose daughter has a bad dream, which causes both parents to come see her and reassure her, which I thought was just weird. Then Dr. Birkin there's gets a, there's both a reference of them. There's a dream, too. Uh, I don't even remember what the dream was. Uh, she said she... something about someone with green eyes or something. Yeah, it's, I think she's referencing one of the monsters in Resident Evil 1, a, a hunter. Mm. Yeah. I don't I don't know why they needed to do that. You could have just said, uh, yeah, I, I dreamt about a monster. It's so okay. people like you, when you're watching it in the theater, you could elbow your wife you're talking about the hunter. Did Jen, you get Jen, that? Jen. Jen, it's a hunter. It's a hunter. Hunter. Dan, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this, as we mentioned, this entire movie is just um, people that played the games just permanently being in the uh, Leo DiCaprio pose. From one yeah. Oh, ooh, yeah, I know that part. He's playing Moonlight Sonata. Oh, I was going to get to that. You, you blew it. You blew it. <laughs> Rebecca should be playing Moonlight Sonata, not not Wesker. Have these guys not played a single goddamn game in their life? Jeez, <laughs> unreal. Uh, then Dr. Birkin gets a call in the middle of the night and he answers it. He then tells his wife and daughter to get their things and meet him at the car. There's then a rolling blackout, then emergency alert recording that plays over loudspeakers all through the town. Back at Chris's house, Chris tells Claire to stay in the house and not touch his bike and then he leaves. She goes back in the house and the weird neighbor from before writes itchy tasty in blood on the glass door. And there's a bang and the door is open and the neighbor kid hides under a table. Then the weird neighbor lady jumps through the glass door and attacks Claire who tosses her off, and then the weird neighbor lady scratches at her own face as Claire runs out of the house. She jumps on Chris's bike and then rides off. Which she wasn't supposed to touch. That's right. Yeah, that's what Chris (laughs) says. Can't, don't touch it. Another one of the moments. Oh, remember she rides a bike in in the game, so we'll have Chris reference that he has a motorcycle. I don't understand why she couldn't have just been riding the motorcycle the whole time. Yeah, because they needed to made sure the truck guy was in there and just having a random truck driver they felt was probably weird. Who knows? It just it didn't fit the the uh yeah. the pacing of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We then cut to Raccoon C- Police Department. I'm gonna say raccoon. I raccoon love City. the way you say raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> raccoon City. Uh police department as Donald Logue looks out from a second floor window and the rest of the cops sit around the bullpen talking about the worst ways to die. This is where the sharks and snakes comes in. And most importantly, Daryl from Letterkenny is here playing Vickers, and that's all I care about. I will say the Raccoon City Police Department looks great. I think they did a good job yeah. with that. Well, did you say Raccoon City? Uh, yeah, the Raccoon City yeah. Police Department. You mean Raccoon City? <laughs> oh no, I, I I speak perfect English. I think <laughs> I think that's what we I I, I know what I said. <laughs> but yeah. is it a potato potato kind of thing? <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll uh, got... uh, one thing going back to um what you said i think they did a really one thing i'll say about like the i guess the cinematography or the uh, director of photography or whatever is the iconic like establishing shots of of important parts of the uh world were really well done the front of the police station the mansion that front desk um where um uh leon sits at the beginning um with the burning guy coming in um you know just just the the even though the helicopter comes through it the room where he plays the piano is almost like the room in in the game the opening hallway like all that stuff is very well done 
um, and probably because they had that all storyboarded well before um, figuring out the actual dialogue. But I think it's worth pointing that out that they did a really good job of capturing that stuff and then the feel of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, that's one of the things where it's like the movie basically stops so people like you can ejaculate all over it. I mean, so, and, and blaming it on Super Thick. He he's blaming us for this, Mark. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, man? If they're making it for us, make it good. I'm surprised you guys didn't swallow this tripe. Oh, well, hold on, to <laughs> one moment now. All right. Listen, I'm not. Gonna Look, sit I know here you're a veg- you. I know you're a vegetarian, but I'm surprised you didn't swallow this tripe. Well, well, some of us don't want to go to Bovine University. All right. <laughs> so. We we hold ourselves in higher esteem, sir. And you go marry a carrot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go marry a <laughs> carrot. No, I listen. I I'm not going to get on my high horse here, but if you're going to make a movie for uh, X audience, right, and it's only like you know you're pinpointing your your target audience, you gotta do better. You you, you can't just throw shit at them and like here here's this here's that here's that. That's a good movie, right? And you know what? We we had a, a good friend of ours on the podcast last weekend who one of their one of their defenses of the movie was that, you know, they succeeded in doing what they wanted. So here they succeeded in doing what they wanted as well. Right. Uh, not apparently not because they well, were a, a, my understanding of this movie's point is to get people like you to enjoy this movie. So if they didn't accomplish that, then I don't know. I think I'll yeah. go to the point that I think they accomplished what they wanted to do, but I don't think the guy understood what the what the fans actually wanted. Um, or who knows if the studio stepped in and made a lot of this stuff shittier than it was on the script. I don't I, know. I don't think the fans know what they wanted. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like... I, I, I find that I did, true. I, think, I will say... I would say I, to you, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I think this movie is an obvious course correction after six movies of not giving the fans a faithful adaptation of the video games, yeah. and then they at least at face value they accomplished that. Whether or not the story holds up, you know, I don't think so, and I don't think you guys do either. And I think th- th- essentially that's what we're coming down to, but yeah, the the, the window dressing. They did that in spades on this one. Oh, it's all there. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the kernels of story in the Resident Evil story is something you can make a good story out of. Um, following exactly what the games do, I don't know, and it's been proven by people not being able to accomplish it that it might not be true. But yeah. my my point to you was, I I think in all fandoms, most people, most of the rabbit fans, um, don't really know what they want. Um, no, 100%. They, they do, but um, then if you give it to them, then they say, oh, you didn't take enough chances, or it was too much like a previous thing in the series. Not that I'm making references to any particular long-standing uh, series of movies. Um, and and then if you don't have any of it in there, and you change up some things in it, then it's like you were robbing me of my childhood. Um, and sometimes those movies come out back-to-back um, in the series. Uh, but you know, it, it. I think at the end of the day, I think this guy, like I said, I think mostly they just read forum posts and internet stuff of fans who thought they knew what they wanted, didn't, and some of those people didn't understand the games as well as they thought they did, 
But this movie comes out, and then nobody's happy. I can't wait for a year to go by when we get all the hot takes of, you know what's an underrated masterpiece? Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. I'm sorry. Sorry, Welcome to Raccoon City. (laughs) It's already happening. I I shared a uh, tweet with you guys yesterday, and I was like, oh, you know, there's rumblings of a sequel. There's, you know, it's okay to like this movie. Like, of course, it's okay to like the movie, but don't I wouldn't go touting it as like this super faithful adaptation of of the video games. It's it, it it's gotten a lot of the characters pretty far off. Um, yeah, I I again we we've talked about this ad nauseum, but we live in a we now live in a time where it's it's like cool to say that something that's not very good isn't is a masterpiece it's an it's um what's misunderstood masterpiece yeah exactly it's misunderstood so we just don't get it um so donalo comes in to say he doesn't know what's going on but he knows he can't get a hold of the cops that were sent up to the spencer museum then donalo gives shit to kennedy to get back behind the front desk and wesker gets a message on his beeper because this is 1998 and Wesker says it's a girl he's been talking to. So Donalo gives him shit too. Tells everyone to get dressed and head out. Real quick, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a scene at the beginning of the scene where uh, they're all all the stars members are in the the conference room and they're all you know they're bullshitting around. And uh, Irons comes in and and they're at like oh you know the chief what the hell's going on? And Loads goes if you shut the hell up and listen for a moment you might find out but I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so wait a minute. You're, you're telling them to shut the hell up so they could find out, but you have no pertinent information. But Wesker goes to his locker and gets a message on a Palm pilot that says that raccoon city is set to be destroyed at 6 AM. I like how you're sticking to this bit. <laughs> uh, Claire rides around on Chris's motorcycle. Meanwhile, Birkin is driving his family very fast and almost runs into Claire who recognizes him. We flash back to the time in the orphanage where Birkin basically kicked Claire out of the orphanage. And then Birkin drives away and Claire sees the waitress who is just kind of standing there dead-eyed. The truck driver blows past her, his eyes blood red. Meanwhile, Leon is listening to that 1998 song Crush on his Walkman as he nods off at the front desk of the police station when the truck driver careens towards the police station, tips the truck, and it explodes in front of the police station. Then the truck driver just waltzes through the front door engulfed in flames was then shot down by Donald Logue, who tells Kennedy to get an extinguisher and lock the front gate. So Leon does exactly that and goes to ask Donald Logue what the fuck is going on. But Logue is packing up his belongings and getting the fuck out of Dodge. Leon starts following him in the parking garage and Donald Logue tells him he's in charge now and then drives off. Star's teams arrive via helicopter to the Spencer Museum. First thing they come across an overturned car and a fucked up looking crow, which immediately blows a- gets blown away by Jill. Who? Jill? does not understand the concept of possible friendly fire. She, she would have shot him in the head, right? Would have shot him in the head yep, multiple times. She's just like, boom, I may have almost killed you. She, she's very trigger happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Is that, hmm, does that have any reference to any games? The fact that they've made her so trigger happy is the fact that no. she, at the, in the first one, so. does she get the gun from Barry? Uh, she she gets the the shotgun, and yeah, that, right. that's what almost causes the Jill sandwich. Right. Um, I think I think they all have the handgun to start. I think her thing is she gets the she gets a lockpick from Barry. Yeah. Yeah, and she I think she gets his magnum later. 
Gotcha. Yeah, Barry's got the Magnum. At first, yeah. I was—I forget that I forgot that Chris is the one that only has the knife on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hard mode, quote unquote. Yeah. And then they start stalking through the woods and make it to the front door and walk in on the main foyer for all our fans to see the foyer. Don't open that door. They didn't say that. I wish they did that. Yeah, we can't go back out there. <laughs> I, I, I would have loved if this entire movie was just the same bad cadence. Of all of those lo- of the voice actors, yeah, <laughs> that would good. have been great if they added. I would appreciate that. Oh, they would. Like, oh, they, they did. The, they did the thing where they're terrible yeah. actors. Yeah, they they would have needed a Barry for. I don't know why know. they didn't include Barry. Is that blood? I hope it's not Chris's blood. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. He's such an integral part to the stars team that I I don't know why they they. they Include these no-name cops, but don't have Barry. Yeah, they have the one dude that's just like there to die, basically. Yeah, they even have Vickers, and like he's pointless. He he just flies the the helicopter. Yeah, well, I guess he's someone Barry. fly the helicopter. Yeah. yeah, either way, again, nitpicking right there. But look, and Vickers thing... was played by Nathan Dales from Letterkenny, so he's perfect. Ten out of ten. Well, but... wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> wouldn't change a thing. No notes. <laughs> Uh, so Wesker says to split up, so he and Jill go one way, and Chris and the other guy go another. Meanwhile, Donald Logue is rocking out to Journey, trying to get out of town, but winds up at a military blockade. Some people get out of their cars to try and see what's going on, blocking Donald Logue in, and then those assholes get lit up by the military, and Donald Logue needs to escape under hail gunfire. Question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were experiencing a zombie apocalypse and you're trying to escape, what song would you jam out to? Ooh, good question. If I'm in the zombie zombie apocalypse in Raccoon City, and I'm trying to get out of it. Ooh, man. Uh, like Meatloaf, the entire Bad Out of Hell album. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I like it. Mark, do you, do you, uh, do you have a, a song you're going to jam out to? Uh, for some reason, um, um, Ozzy and, um, what is it, um, Crazy Train? That is so funny because I was thinking Ozzy Osbourne as well. Yeah, like Bark at the Moon or something along those lines. That'd be pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, or Rage. Rage is good. Self-titled Rage. Is a Rage. Good one. Yeah. Or would would you go like the, the complete opposite and listen to like Bob Marley? Just like really try to soothe yourself. Like oh, Three Birds, you know. Uh, that's enough. too. That's too. I am Legend for me. You know that that's true. That is, I completely forgot that's what he that's exactly to. the song he listens to. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. All right. What about Red Red Wine by UB uh, UB40? <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be good. Little Rick Astley. Oh, perfect. <laughs> we found our our zombie apocalypse soundtrack. Yeah, Four Non Blondes was a pretty good one though. Did they only? I think they only had that one song though. You can't really jam out to anything else. Yeah, just on repeat. Yeah. Uh, so Donald Logue makes it back to the police station garage and gets out of his car, but he's he hears something in the darkness. So while he's fucking around with his gun, loading it, the truck driver zombie jumps. The truck driver's zombie dog jumps through the window. Logue fires at it, then fires aimlessly in the dark, not knowing how valuable ammo is in a Resident Evil game. Then winds up having no bullets when the dog gets ready to attack. But out of nowhere, Claire beats the shit out of the dog with a fire extinguisher. This happens a lot, where it's just like, oh no, I'm doomed. Then character from out of nowhere comes in and saves the day yep 
Then Leon comes into the garage pointing his gun at Claire, but he's useless, so Claire just walks right past him, and then they all go back into the police station. Did did anyone pick up on what Leon says to Claire? Uh what she what does he say? Drop your gun. Yes, I did yeah. She's not he's not she's not holding a gun, my man. Mm-hmm. Very clearly holding a fire extinguisher. This is how incompetent he is. He can't tell a fire fire extinguisher from a gun. Yep. <laughs> Uh, zombies start congregating around the front gate of the police station and Claire tells them that she's Chris's sister. Donalogue tells her that Chris is in the mountains, that they have an armory in the basement, and he sets off to try and call Chris to try and get the helicopter back in order to get out of the city. Meanwhile, at the mansion, the team continues to investigate the rooms. Chris and the other guy come across the first zombie you see in the original game. Chris blows it away and then goes to check out on the cop that the zombie was feasting on. And tells the other guy to find the other cop they're looking for while Chris attempts to stop the bleeding of the other guy. The nameless other guy winds up in one room and gets surprised by a couple of zombies and Chris gets surprised by his own couple of zombies. And then all of a sudden there's like 10 zombies out of nowhere attacking both of them and the other guy gets killed. What was going on in this mansion while there's so many people there? They were like a party? Yeah, yep, that's what they were having a rager. <laughs> a party and then a zombie outbreak just came just uh, popped out. That would be so much better than the actual way it happens. It's just like a lab leak. But mm-hmm. like imagine like the, the scientists are throwing a kegger and you know, like Jim forgets to close down uh section A and just like, you know, trying to you know, trying to hook up with one of the other uh doctors there spills mm-hmm. everything all over the place and now he's you know egg on his face mm-hmm. yeah it's a shame and then Derry from Letterkenny is sitting in the helicopter and he gets attacked by a zombie while he's listening to four non-blondes wesker and jill wind up in a study wesker gets a message on his palm pilot so he sits down at the piano and plays a little bit of moonlight sonata and through the window jill sees the helicopter flying then starts then it starts flying towards the window so they both run out of the room before the helicopter crashes and explodes into the room meanwhile claire and leon are in the armory getting supplies and it's obvious leon is not cut out to be a cop but claire knows her way around guns they hear some shouting and leon goes to investigate and he comes across ben bertolucci who's in a holding cell demanding he be let out leon gets a little too close to the cell and ben winds up grabbing his gun and forces leon to let him out while Leon looks for the keys, Ben talks about Umbrella and how they're all behind this as they were trying to weaponize human beings. Then as Leon opens the holding cell, the other prisoner, who is now a zombie, attacks Ben, killing him. Zombie then attacks Leon, who is saved by Claire, who shoots it with a shotgun. Again, character coming out of nowhere. Then recognizes Ben, and then Claire tells Leon to get his shit together or he's going to die. Then the zombie stands back up and Leon unloads a clip into the zombie, and who then dies. Back at the mansion, Wesker and Jill assess the damage after the helicopter crash. Wesker finds a secret room, and he tells Jill that he has been paid by someone with a vested interest in exposing Umbrella Corp's experiments. Jill's upset that he would leave them behind and tries to tell him that they need to find Chris. Then a zombie pops up, and Wesker shoots it, and then he goes off into the secret room. Back at the police station, Donald Logue tells Claire and Leon that he might have a way to get out of there, so he takes them down into a corridor where they have to fight off a bunch of zombies. But they eventually make it to the loading dock and out of the police station and then into the orphanage, which hasn't which hasn't changed its decorations in 10 years. Donald Logue says that there's good. Sorry, I was just agreeing with you that. Yeah, and they made it. Um, they kept it that way because outside of the brief reference in the new Resident Evil 2 video game, there is no other evidence of what an orphanage in Raccoon City would have looked like. So uh, they say Raccoon City. I'm sorry, Raccoon. Thank you. <laughs> Give in to him, Mark. <laughs> Don't follow him. 
Donald Logue says that there's a secret passageway that in the orphanage, uh, in in the orphanage. But before he could get to them, he's taken up the ceiling by a liquor, which then kills him and spits him back out onto the ground. The liquor then jumps down from the ceiling and goes to attack Claire, but a masked woman attacks the liquor and kills it. And Claire recognizes the person as Lisa Trevor, the girl from the orphanage. Claris tells her that she's looking for a way out to get to the mansion. And Lisa ushers Claire and Leon into the playroom where she gives them a set of keys and shows them a key hole, which opens up a secret elevator, which they take. No one cares about the chief dying, by the way. It's like, oh, no, not him. Uh, meanwhile, Chris is on his own, picking off a whole bunch of zombies as he tries to fight the rest to find the rest of the team. Eventually, Chris winds up finding the other cop he was looking for and gets attacked by him because he's now a zombie, only to be saved by Jill, who doesn't seem to be to care about potential friendly fire. She'd be inflicting on Chris. She tells him that Vickers is dead and Wesker betrayed them, kind of, but they may have to follow him because it's the only way out. He doesn't betray, betray is a strong word in this in this instance. Yeah. He has an so, ulterior what would you call it? He has ulterior motives that do not affect them in any That's way. A good point. Right, because he doesn't set them up in any way. No. Right? It's not like you guys need to come with me to the Spencer estate. They were yeah. already going there. Right. He withholds information from them, which could save them. But betray? I don't think so. I don't even yeah. think they find out too much at the Spencer estate. No. But he sh- he should he knows more. Like he knows where what they're getting into. Yeah, that's true. Because he's he, been working. He's been working for whoever this is. Yeah. yeah. But he, I don't know if he's aware of the zombies. It would be weird for him to know, right? I think so. Because right, why wouldn't he at least warn them? Yeah. I think I think all he knows is that he has to go steal the G virus. Yeah. Yeah. That's all he knows. Because um, yeah. Yeah. he's a little too happy-go-lucky at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> to just be that aware of what's going to happen. Yeah, his whole attitude changes when he gets that message. Mm, and the police station. Yeah. But um I thought yeah. that was kind of weird too. They they mentioned both the T virus and the G virus. It, it's kind of redundant, don't you think? I I, I know oh. T virus is Resident Evil One, G virus is two. But for the sake of the movie, we yeah. don't need to know that there was two different viruses. No, no, it's it, for the that, sequel yeah, they yeah, so again, yeah, if you were to have a sequel, that would make sense. Yeah, that that's again that was for the fans. Um yeah. who would know that and and point it out while pushing their glasses up. Um, I, it don't, hey, listen now. That's not fair to me. I'm just making <laughs> yeah. an observation, Mark. Yeah, and he doesn't wear glasses. I yeah. am right now, and that's why I feel attacked. <laughs> um, yeah, as we say, just to, one final point on this Wesker, quote-unquote, turn or, or ulterior motive, whatever you call it. Um, it Sticking with the original um, reason he becomes a bad guy, in the first movie in the in the games would have worked even in this movie you know where he works for umbrella and he's trying to keep their secrets safe yeah that's why he would kill birkin that's why he would steal the you know all that makes more sense if he's working for umbrella not against them. um even because right, the- that would be a better heel turn yeah yeah and more it would make more sense like because anthony i think you're right right he's not betraying anybody he's just withholding info mm-hmm. yeah yeah, basically that text message or whatever, whatever they called it on Palm Pilots. Um, uh, back then, would have just been like Birkin's trying to leave. You need to stop him. You know, essentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess they were trying to. They wanted that twist at the. It, it was just a scene Ant didn't see. 
in the in the end credit, uh, you know, stinger with him working for Ada Wong and also getting his sunglasses, which is I wish they could have done the sunglasses part like in Blade Two, where someone just like tosses him the sunglasses and he catches it all stylized and puts them on like a badass. (laughs) Wait, is Wesker alive at the end of this movie? Yes, he is. Oh, that's stupid. Spoiler alert. Well, Ada Wong and the company bring him back. Oh, and, you know, bring him back to life. Yeah. yeah, he's like in a body bag and wakes up inside the like and breaks out of the body bag. Oh shit! Yeah, and then they, he can't see. You know, it's so bright in there, and she throws him sunglasses and he throws them on, and so he looks like the Wesker from the game. Oh damn! <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a corny reveal. Yeah. It's so lame. The fans, I'm sure there's plenty of fans that ate that shit up. It's like, oh, Oh. the sunglasses. Came right in their pants when they saw that. They just, like, grabbed each other in the theater. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, in in that very empty theater. (laughs) Meanwhile, Claire and Leon get out of the elevator and find a room that has a projector, which is film of experiments the orphanage was subjecting the children to. Claire says this is where they tried to bring her when she was a kid. Then... Then she just starts ripping up some of the files and then tells Leon they need to move. Yeah, that's a bigger story, I feel. Meanwhile, Wesker makes it to the secret lab where Birkin and his family are, and a half-woman on the table is writhing around. That's a bigger story in there. Wesker tells a nod to, like, Return of the Living Dead. Maybe. Yeah, could be. It's kind of cool looking. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Wesker tells Birkin that he's just there for the G-Virus, but Birkin refuses to give it up. Because it's the life work, so they wind up shooting each other. Wesker gets winged, but Birkin takes three shots right in the chest. Birkin motions for his wife and daughter to bring him the vials, and when they do, the wife takes Birkin's gun and tries to shoot Wesker, who then shoots her in the head. This call got very sloppy at this moment. <laughs> this movie. We need to get rid of these characters somehow. Yeah, we're going to have three consecutive Mexican standoffs. <laughs> yeah, again, I, I feel as if they kind of wasted Annette Birkin because she, she plays such a big part in the second game. Uh, Cause she's kind of like continuing Williams work. Yeah. She's actually a scientist as well. Yeah. Yeah. She, she plays such a major role and now she's just reduced to this sniveling kind of, you know, like, Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. And she gets shot in the head. In the meantime, Birkin winds up taking the G-Virus file, and then his daughter hides. But then the daughter takes the gun and points it at Wesker, points his gun at her, but then Wesker is shot by Jill, who shows up with Chris. But she's too good a shot and winds up hitting Wesker fatally. But he tells her that they need to get out now because Umbrella is going to destroy Raccoon City. He tells her that there's an underground train station under the lab, and they need to go to get to the other side of the mountains, and then he dies. They start to traverse down towards the train station and Birkin starts to wake up with the G-Virus, transforming him into an inhuman monster. Birkin starts tearing the place apart and also verbally abuses Chris for good measure, which seems a little unnecessary. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> you, thought, you thought you were part of my family, loser? Wait, like, I never said I was a part of your family. I just, I, I thanked you for helping me. It's like, where did this... Now that's a heel turn, folks. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, brother. That's a heel turn. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, well, maybe it's just the G-Virus, you know, talking. <laughs> it's a side effect. Yeah, just being really mean. <laughs> it, it's, uh, some side effects may include... Uh, turning into a flesh-eating monster <laughs> and cattiness. 
It's being super petty. <laughs> it's it, that, that really hurts. I don't know what hurts more. You becoming a monster <laughs> or you saying that about me. Uh, Birkin beats the shit out of Chris for a bit. Then Claire comes out of nowhere and starts blasting him with some shotgun blasts before Chris takes the gun and puts one last shot into Birkin. Again, Claire just there at the end. Everybody goes down and finds the train, which they somehow get started and they start moving. Meanwhile, Birkin starts to move again. The stroke of 6 a.m., the mansion starts to implode on itself, which then sends a blast of debris towards the train, which almost derails it, but then the train just comes to a stop. As the dust settles, passengers try to assess the damage, but then the roof of one of the cars gets ripped off, and Birkin is now in his final form. Stage 4, according to Google Images. Uh, Birkin grabs Claire and starts to ascend on Chris, but Jill... But Claire gra- stabs Birkin in his human face. Chris shoots him a few times, which doesn't do much. Then Leon steps up with a rocket launcher, which is a risky maneuver in such close quarters, but it works, and it blows Birkin away. Again, Redfield is right there, <laughs> within proximity of that explosion. Yes. Yes, but, but they had to get a rocket launcher in, because that's how all the games end. Yep. That's right, yeah. yes. And how convenient that there's a rocket launcher on a goddamn train. And then Jill comes into the car to say, what the fuck did you guys do to the train? And then we see the rest of Raccoon City basically implode upon itself, uh, much to the dismay of a single cow. No need. No need. (laughs) And then the crew walks out of the train tunnel and into the sunrise of a sequel. And uh, two things in this end scene. Um, I'm still on the fence if I like or don't like the change in the actual... How Raccoon, how Raccoon City is destroyed um, in this because in I believe the games it's their nuclear weapons hit it. Yeah, it's a, it's a nuke strike, a tactical nuke. Tactical nuke destroys it, or the umbrella having a self destruct switch in it. I I think I'm leaning the movie only because the you know for no pun intended there's not as much fallout from mm. a. Uh, you know, the way it, the town's destroyed in this movie compared to a nuclear strike. And the second thing is, could they have used a worse color font for that <laughs> that last message at the end? Oh, yeah, the status update. You could barely yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah, can't read it. I even watched a better version of it, like just the final scene, um, because it was in that clip that you, you, you quote tweeted, Dan, and you still can't read it, even at like 1080p. And they they blew it because the the final message is civilian uh, civilian survivors zero, and we see the five of them walk out. So why didn't it change from zero to five? They blew it. That would have been funny. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that's the point. In the next movie, Dan Umbrella doesn't know they're coming. Oh, it's a surprise attack, and they somehow run into Carlos and everyone else from the third game. Right. Yeah, that's and then there's a after credit sequence I didn't see about Ada Wong and some sunglasses putting yeah. on a still alive Wesker. Essentially, it was you know all the all the obsessed fanboys that just love Ada Wong, um, you know, and they even she's kind of a badass in the games um, because she's they keep her wrapped in mystery for the most part, um, and here they just flat out basically you know almost lay out what she is. And then have that weird camera angle. Um, Dan, you saw it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that weird camera angle, too. And she does the, like, James Bond thing. My name is Ada Wong. Wong. Ada Wong. Like, so, like <laughs> she might as well have said that. Yeah. Um, 
and, and then she and then he and you see him uh figuring out that his eyes now have superpowers, I guess is why when he puts the sunglasses on, he's like, whoa. Does he shoot lasers or holograms from it? Like in Repo the Genetic Opera? No, they just, just they glow. Mm. Yeah, they just glow. I, I think, think they're like just, yellow. He just has heightened senses, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, He's basically a cat. Oh, That's, That's the best way to put it. Wesker's just a, just a large, just a large he's cat. A, yeah, he's a human cat. I hope. I suppose that's cool. Uh, yeah, this movie ended. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't hate it. Uh, I hated talking about it though. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. It, it's it's interesting to to have gotten it from your perspective because I thought you knew more about the games. Like but... I, I like I said, I haven't played the games since they since playing them on original hardware. I feel like I have Resident Evil Two Remake in my library on PlayStation Four. But I haven't, I haven't downloaded it. Um, yeah, I like I haven't seen. I've played the first two. I've played part of three and none of the other ones. And I haven't seen any other movies. So, does this make you want to play the games again by any chance? <sighs> does it? Good question. I don't even know the answer to that question. To I feel like that's a no because if, if you had wanted to, it'd be like, yeah, you know. I, I'm I feel not, like I'm not dying to jump into them. I suppose. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll say I'm slightly I'm I'm a little bit of the opposite of Ant in that um I actually kind of had fun talking about this and just venting Resident Evil things um <laughs> into this rather than I had watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I know that's all I got. Um I think we've talked this movie to death. Um check us out on all our socials. Please rate, review, and do all that kind of fun stuff on wherever you get your podcasts. Check out once again. Check out the poll. It'll be up for a little bit longer. Do you want to try and push? Can't hardly wait ahead of Ten Things I Hate About You. It's got an uphill battle. Um, please do that. Um, and otherwise, check back next week where we're going to be talking about our June movie of the month. Um, yeah, that's this week's episode. The director of Resident Evil: Colon Welcome to Raccoon City is Johannes Roberts. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Johannes Roberts, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie. Our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.